Hey, what's going on, everybody? It is episode number 216 of the Audible Farm podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Couchtown Coffee. Couchtown Coffee is roasted right here in Iowa. It's my favorite coffee. I drink it every morning. Uh, I drink a lot of Couchtown Coffee. If you guys drink coffee in the morning, even if you just drink one cup a morning, you got to check it out. I mean, everybody likes coffee. We all drink coffee. Couchtown Coffee, like I said, roasted right here in Iowa. When you make an order, it's roasted specifically for you. They ship it to your house, and all you got to do is grind it up and have some delicious, delicious coffee. I A lot of my friends have converted to drinking Couchtown Coffee from their uh, big box store brands, and uh, uh, I'll tell you what. It's not even a not even close competition. It is absolutely the best coffee you'll ever have. Check it out, CouchtownCoffee.com. Find a coffee you like, and when you do, let them know Audible Farm sent you, and they'll give you 20% off because Couchtown Coffee is that awesome. I know I'm getting some Couchtown, and uh, it might not be too late to get a little bit for the holidays. Maybe uh, make an order. See what you got. See what the shipping time is on that, and uh, hit them up, CouchtownCoffee.com. Best coffee roasted right here in Iowa. This episode is also brought to you by the patrons on the Patreon channel. Patrons on the Patreon channel are, it's $1 a month, video versions of the podcast, and uh, it's all right there. Uh, tell you what, the patrons are the people that make this go round and round. I really appreciate each and every one of you guys that have been donating. People like Patrick, American Made Music, a band from Iowa, Nate, we got Eric, Vince, Ronley, Andy, Abby, Matt. Harold, Justin, and the McAllister Hours, a podcast from right here in Iowa, is also a patron on our Patreon. If you guys want to be a patron, go to patreon.com slash audiblefarm, and it's, uh, like I said, $1 a month is all it costs, and you can watch video versions of the podcast right there. Check it out. Thank you guys for being patrons. This episode, I'm sitting down with Liv McNair. I've actually seen Liv play a few times live. The first time I ever saw her, she was uh, in attendance at a show. I was uh, uh, playing with Jesse Wilson at Tapped in Clear Lake, and she was in the crowd. And Jesse says, you think she'll come up and play during intermission? I said, uh, yeah, let's ask her. So we asked her, and sure enough, she came up and played during intermission. Loved it. I absolutely loved it. I love it when people are in the crowd supporting other musicians and any chance we can get to you know have them come up and, and show their talents off as well i i absolutely love it nothing wrong with shining a little bit of light on your buddies around the scene i'll tell you what the other time i saw live was uh, at the cmo writers round in fort dodge this last month and that was a fun time too we talked about it before the podcast we, we talked about it a little bit in the podcast but uh, that was a fun show i really had a great time watching uh, all the people up there on stage. They even let me come up and play a, plunk out a couple extra notes and play some solos with them. Man, uh, nerve-wracking but fun, I'll tell you what. And uh, we talk about that in the podcast as well. It's super fun to sit down and talk with Liv. I've, I haven't had too much time to sit down and talk with her uh, at shows and things like that. So this was uh, an absolute blast to sit down and talk with her and kind of see what makes her tick and see what her wrong songs, see what her songwriting style is. I'm actually going to leave that in there. Uh, see what her songwriting style is and then like, you know, see how she kind of formulates it and uh, where the inspiration comes from and and how she chooses what she decides to put out and uh, you know, it was crazy to to just talk about songwriting in general in this podcast. She really kind of opened my eyes to some things that I guess for some reason, you know, one reason or another, I guess I just didn't it just never dawned on me or never occurred to me or it was something that I'd never really thought about. And she uh, brought it up in this podcast. So I was I was really grateful. There's some there's some really fun gems in this one that I'm, I'm really glad I got to sit down and talk with Liv. I'm not going to let any more out 
uh, before the episode, though. So uh, you guys have to listen to the episode and enjoy it. I'll see you guys on the other end of the outro. This is episode number 216 with singer-songwriter Liv McNair. It's the Audible Farm Podcast. With your host, Peter Stockdale. I'm sitting down today talking with Liv McNair. Liv, I've actually seen you play live, and uh, that's, I mean, in this podcast, that's not something I can always say, because I've met a lot of people through this podcast that uh, some I've never actually seen live, but I saw, I got to see you at the the Writers Round, the Midwest CMO Writers Round that took place in Fort Dodge, Iowa. Um, that was uh, yeah, a few weeks ago. Was it like the 20, 20th? I got that written down. Yeah, I think so. I think that sounds right. That's pretty cool. Was that one of your first, uh, I guess, like, I don't want to say like, quote unquote, big shows, but I mean, that's kind of a bigger venue and there's a decent amount of people that were there. I, d- I definitely was like bigger than what I expected for sure. And I've never really done writer's rounds, like kind of what we were talking about before. I typically play a lot of dive bars and stuff. So it was definitely a change for me, change in scenery for me, but I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Cause when, when you go to that, like if you've been to the boardroom, if anyone's ever been there, uh, they do a really good job of like doing like event type stuff. Like if you've been there another time, like maybe like this was like a fancy event. The chairs were all covered. Tables were all covered. It, like it was, there was mimosas and stuff around. It was like, geez, this place is fancy, you know, but, uh, it was, it was the event. It was what was going on. And that's one of my favorite things about going to that place is, uh, it's big enough that it can hold a lot of people. And it's sometimes it's really packed. It's nice. No, and it's that, the venue's funny too because you walk in and like you look at the elevator, you know what I'm, what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. And I remember being scared to death that the elevator wasn't gonna work. So like I'm like calling Scott and I'm like, hey, um, is this elevator even like functioning? He's like, I'll be there in a minute. So we had to run. Scared me. But it's totally different vibe once you get up there. It's crazy. Oh man, I I'm not sure it'll it'll still do it, but like I accidentally went to the the basement floor in that elevator once. And the door opened, and it, it's scary looking. It's like a Saw movie. You're just like, all right, going back up a floor. Like, ex- accidentally went down to the ground floor. But yeah, it's uh, that that elevator's fun. Everyone loves it. It's uh, everyone that comes in there, they just like look at it. And if there's like three or more people, everyone's like, I don't know if it's gonna work, but it's totally fine. Like, it just doesn't. It doesn't look fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's just old, is all it is. But it's been inspected. It's got the little register thingy up there. I don't know. It's great. It's weighted well. We've packed it full of gear and wrote it up. It's not a big deal. So. Well, the other option's the stairs. I yeah, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm hauling gear up, I'll I'll take it up on the elevator i mean I'll, I'll push it up on the elevator and i'll walk the stairs up if that's the case but i'm not i'm not hauling gear upstairs i don't know <laughs> but yeah i mean that singer's songwriter thing how did you uh end up getting hooked up with that is that like an invite only type of event because i mean i'm not a singer songwriter so i i'm obviously not going to be involved in it very much but <laughs> i guess um i mean i just knew um so jesse so i had it in with jesse because i knew jesse and um, then Jesse kind of, I think, told Scott about me, and then um, and then Scott and Jesse both kind of reached out to me about doing it. Nice. So I got my foot in the door through Jesse. So. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, it seems like that's something that has just kind of like really come naturally to you. Uh, like I've seen you've collaborated with a lot of people, and you've kind of like either met up or like done shows with other people, or done like 
you're uh, just attending a show and it's like, hey, come up here and play during my intermission if you want to. I've seen you do that before, too, you know, and uh, you seem to be very good at that. Uh, let's like start all the way back at the beginning before you can even collaborate with anyone. How did you get interested in being like a singer songwriter? Did you play guitar first? Did you write music first? Were you a piano player? Is there something? Okay, okay so you're a baby. Ba okay. No, okay. Oh, well. <laughs> promise not to judge me, okay? Okay. Okay. So when I was about like, oh, I was probably like five or six. And I mean, I had always kind of like loved, I mean, I had always loved music. Um, even like before I could talk, like grandma says, she has stories of me like sitting there, like, you know, just loving music when I was a kid. But um, I was like, oh, I think I was like five or six. My dad had like picked me up from school or something. And he had his like iPod Nano, right? And we're in the truck and he's driving, you know, he's driving home or whatever. And he's like, Glenn, he's like, I have a song for you to listen to, you know? So I'm like, okay, cool. So he pulls up Taylor Swift, all right? And um, <laughs> I think it was Teardrops on My Guitar and then it was Ours by Taylor Swift, which was for the two singles on her debut album when she came out with it in 2006. And um, from then on, like, I was, I was dead set to be like a country music singer. Like, that was all I wanted. Like, I got a guitar for Christmas when I was like 10. Ended up like learning when I was 14, but... Ever since then, like, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And so she's been, that was kind of my aha moment, I guess. Um, <laughs> and then, I mean, I had always kind of, like, once I learned guitar, that opened a lot of doors for me. Um, up until that point, like, I loved to sing. So, I mean, I would, you know, I mean, I'd sing wherever I could. But, um, like I said, once I learned guitar, I, um, you know, there were different opportunities. Like, I've played with Damon Dotson before. That was cool. Um, he's super cool. Um, Josh Sinclair was another one that I did stuff with when I was in high school. Um, and I kind of just did like little shows here and there opening for people. Cause I couldn't really sustain a full show by myself. You know, I didn't have the equipment or like the repertoire to do that. And I had no idea what I was doing. And, um, and then I ended up moving up here and I like kind of just started gigging probably a little over like a year and a half ago. Um, and I got my start with the Kraft brothers, um, up like North here in Clear Lake. And I, I just, I started playing their breaks. It was kind of cool because um, I kind of, like, I'd known that I wanted to get into it really big. And I'm like, well, I really want to start. And I don't know where to start, but I know these people, like this band. So I was like, I'm just going to give them a call and see what they say. So I called them and I was like, hey, you know, do you have any, like, suggestions for me on, like, where to start or, like, what to do for live music? Because I don't know the first thing, you know. And they were like, well, why don't you come to a gig? You can, op like, you can open for us. If we like you, we'll keep you. And if we don't like you, we'll give you some pointers and we'll send you on your way. So they ended up liking me. They kept me all summer. And then um, that winter, so December December 18th to be exact of last year, was my very first gig by myself. So ever since, that's kind of that's that's kind of a story. Um, so yeah. basically like a year ago, almost like the day this podcast is coming out, like a year ago was your first show. Yep, by myself. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was at Tapped in Clear Lake. Dude, that's a cool place to have your first show. I, it, they've been super good to me, for sure. I definitely had a good foot in the door there for nice sure. that's awesome but i've been like stuff before that i mean i mean yeah like in my apartment you know i date, dated shitty men so i had to have something to write about you know <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know if, if every relationship was good i think about like 90 percent of the music would just be deleted from the world so uh, well i've always said you know it's like i look at dating in my 20s as like you know like a musical investment because it's like <laughs> You get one really good love song on the way in, and then he breaks your heart, and you get like ten great sad ones. So it's like a win-win for me and a lose-lose for you, dude. Like you know, I don't know. 
That is so hilarious. Uh, it's fun to to know that this is uh, like just kind of out. You said this at the at the CMO writers round, and I was kind of like, ah, it's a fun way to spin it. And then I was, it's it's fun to know that you actually kind of think this way because I mean, I know a few people that think that way. They 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 like make like a little rule for themselves. Like I'm going to write one song for you when I meet you and probably one song for you when we break up. And that's just how most people get, you know, everyone gets two. That's what he always says, you know? And, uh, because I get one really good love one and then I get like, (laughs) you're writing whole albums. (laughs) It's just like, this album's called Kevin. This one's called Steve. That one's called Bob. That's a great idea. (laughs) Constant album. This one, second shitty man i ever dated like this guy narcissistic this guy had a drug problem this guy was an alcoholic like let's just keep going you know oh my gosh that's hilarious uh i mean i shouldn't just be like yeah bash all the guys we're horrible but like you know i guess it's well you know honestly though if they could write songs i'm sure they'd write songs about me too so i mean it goes both ways i mean if i could if I can dish it out, I can take it too. So. Oh, very, very true. Yeah, I guess you know, and I guess you know, twenties. No, nobody's like perfect in their twenties. Very few, I guess I should say. So. <laughs> What's that? But your twenties suck. <laughs> I thought you were gonna be like, speak for yourself, bud. <laughs> oh man, you did say something funny though. I do want to say, uh, iPod Nano, and you were like a kid when you were listening to your your uh, dad's iPod Nano. And I was like, man, that makes me like a thousand years old. But I don't know. I just. <laughs> a thousand years old i hate it when people do that it's no i just thought it was funny because well i just remember having one like when i was little you know even like when i was like in high school like i remember having one and then now kids don't even know so i mean i'm still younger but i still know you know that's true. I mean, that's true. I just, it's kind of fun though. I just, it's, uh, there, it's funny. Cause even though there is like an age disparity between me and other people, uh, in the music scene, I don't really necessarily see it though. Cause I know people that are like 10 years older than me and 10 years younger than me. It's like, well, the person 10 years younger is just, just as much fun to play music with. They're just as good. They write songs just as well as the person that's 10 years older. I have just as much fun sitting in with them as I do with this person. And I don't ever see like this age thing, which is weird, but when you're talking about you know, iPod nanos and stuff. Like I grew up with cassette tapes, you know, like, come on. like <laughs> That's hilarious. So 10 to 14, you said you got a guitar at like 10 and then you kind of started learning at like 14. I, f- yeah. I feel like there's some people that do that. They'll get one and then that takes them a while to be like, all right, let's figure this out. So what was, what was the thing at 10 when you got this guitar that made you not learn until you were 14? So I do this thing where I try to avoid things that I suck at because I don't like to not be good at something. Um, so, for, you know, I got this guitar and I was really discouraged with it for a long time. And I just, I, I was, I think I was intimidated, you know, cause I didn't want to fail at it and I didn't want to like, and I, so I just never, I, I never really picked it up. And then I was actually on like a church, like a, we were helping with like a Bible study thing in Tahlequah, Oklahoma actually. And um, so we had driven over there or whatever. And, there was a girl that had like had a beautiful voice. Like I still, she's got music on Apple music. I still listen to her today. Um, but she's absolutely incredible. I don't think she does music anymore, but she's got stuff she released, you know, years ago. Um, but she like, I kind of just asked her, I was like, Hey, like sometime will you just show me a couple chords? And she's like, yeah, perfect. Like I'll do that. And so she literally sat me down and she wrote them, like she drew them out on a piece of paper. And I think she showed me like C, D and G. And that was it. And then I literally went on my way. And I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't consider myself a guitarist. I mean, I kind of bullshit my way enough to get by now, but, um, but yeah, after that, I just kind of taught myself the rest and so. That's cool. You kind of just, you know, I feel like it's everyone that's like, I want to do this. 
I don't know if I've got, you know, the moxie to do it. Some people are pretty, bra- you know, bold and like brazen and they'll go out there, you know, haphazardly and be like, I want to fail to succeed. You know, and I'll learn from my mistakes. But like, you know, people like yourself or even like me to an extent, like I, I'm scared to fail in front of people. I want to be good before I go out there. So I was like, I, if I do this, I'm going to practice this like at my house by myself for a while first. And that was kind of, you know, the same way I did it too. It took me a while to like ramp up. I played in high school a little bit, but I like the entirety of my twenties, I just quit playing the guitar cause I wasn't any good at it. You know, especially compared to like everyone around me. I'm like, I don't want to go out and embarrass myself. And then one day I was like, well, let's just, let's just figure it out. You know, like why, why just be like, you know, why not actually try? So, you know, I, it's, it's such a fun avenue to like discuss like kind of what gets you started too. Cause you ran into somebody that kind of inspired you and you still listen to the music and they showed you a few chords and on your way they went. And I feel like a lot of people have that in their life. And it's, it's fun to see that you've had inspiration f- for music and then somebody playing music and singing. And when was the first time that you finally sat down and wrote something to music that you had written? So actually kind of, kind of funny um so I I mean I'd always like kind of mess around with stuff <laughs> in high school like it was never really any good um I think the very first song I wrote I was probably I, I was probably 14 15 and um I wrote it about a guy in high school and I I was super proud of it I played it at, like you know all my like school functions like anything I and like anywhere I could play like I'd play it I, w- I was proud of it um that was really my first song. Um, I had some discouragement with it from, you know, some people that I was close to. And so I ended up, I just quit writing for like, I think I didn't write again until I was 19 in college. And I was engaged to this guy and uh, he broke my heart. So I wrote Foolproof and that's what Foolproof's about. And that was my second ever song that I had ever written. Um, oh, wow. So, well, technically my second like solid song I'd ever written. Um so yeah, so that was kind of, yeah. Do you still remember your first song you ever wrote? Do I like, kinda? I mean, I have videos of it somewhere that I'll never send you. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not trying to be like, hey, send them over, but I, mean, I would definitely listen to them. But my, I guess my thought was, is it ever something you could like bust out again and like play somewhere? Or like... I'm very embarrassed to do so because it's not good. Like it's not, I would play it for like, you know, like, I don't know to be like nostalgic, but like I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect people to enjoy it because, like I said, it was not. I mean, melodically and lyrically, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, looking back, you know, but I mean, I was fourteen. Like that's how I processed things, you know. So I think I, I probably could if I sat down. I think I had it like on capo four, and I think I remember the chords, and I think I remember the lyrics. <laughs> nice. I mean. I'm a big fan of people pulling stuff out of their past and retooling it and using it again. Like, is it, I mean, could it be repurposed? Could it be remixed? Could it be changed up a little bit and turned into a, a song that you release eventually? You never know. And I, you know, I, I find myself doing that too, where I've written songs and then I put them onto different songs and then I, like, I just make them all the time. With that song, I've taken a couple lyric, like, lyric pieces from that song and used the songs I've written. Because, I mean, some of them are good. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's kind of cool how how that works. I think. Yeah, I mean it's it's complete. It's not completely unheard of. I I do know. I guess growing up, I was like super into like certain bands and things like that, and I, I would get like really into weird stuff. Like, let's see if I can find their demo tapes for like whatever album came out and what's on the yeah. demos that didn't make it and stuff. And then you start to find out that 
those musicians and those singers and stuff are like pulling stuff from these demos that didn't make it onto an album and then like using pieces of them in other songs later in their discography and it's like oh sweet this thing from three albums ago that was a demo they clipped it out and then turned it into the center section of this song down the line you know seven years later it's like that's wild that somebody did that you know and but there's at first I was like, well, it's cheating. But at the same time, like there's so many people that it's no different than having like half of a sketch done and just being like, I'll finish this later or I'll come back and I'll use this as inspiration to do a different sketch. You know, it's no different than like physically drawing stuff or whatever, you know, actual art or, you know, it'd be like building half of a house and then just giving up. Cause you're just like, I didn't finish it. Like uh, today, I, you know, if I didn't finish it today, it's garbage. You know, it's like, you don't do that. I think for me, like that's always how I've done things. I'm very not like OCD at all. Like, <laughs> my notes app when my phone is a mess and so it would make sense that my songwriting is very like kind of just kind of messy like that like where I just you know I just kind of there's no structure there that makes sense (laughs) actually foolproof um so it actually had a whole different verse than what it ended up with that I but I had pulled this verse from another song that I had written and then I you know just yeah so was a good example of like that um but yeah no i'm, I'm notorious for doing that so. <laughs> did you ever play any other instruments other than the guitar in high school i mean like i dabbled like my main instrument was like a, i played a clarinet and i played an oboe um but like i mean i could kind of play a bass clarinet for a while i played a saxophone and jazz band but i wasn't really super exceptional at like any of them i mean i just kind of was decent enough to get by or fill a spot if they needed me to have you ever found yourself like using any of the anything you learned then to use with your music now no 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 i don't know i just no i don't even i have a clarinet in my closet i don't even think i can play it anymore oh man we gotta it's gonna be on the next (laughs) album the clarinet solo oh i don't know i don't know if i have like the title style of music (laughs) like i clarinets in country music i don't know i don't know why not (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it could it could happen it could very well it could very well happen so it's also wild to me to think that like i mean it's just looking back i mean you're, you're probably thinking the same thing but like wrote your first song at 14 it's like well you're confident when you're younger and it's like cool i did this thing everyone check it out but then of course a couple people poo poo it you know there's there's high school hooray it's always great isn't it but if anybody out there is listening is high school, it's, it's, it's fine. You'll make it out. But, but like, it's, it's tough. It's tough. You know, you start to take what people say or think, or like the way they act. And you're just like, ah, I should probably just quit doing this forever. And you, and you took, you took a while off till you finally like wrote another one. And, uh, it took basically getting your heart broken to, to write another song. Um, was there something that made you pick up the pen and the the guitar again? Or were you just kind of like writing, bits and pieces of songs and playing and tinkering in the background or just was, was, did you just have the guitar completely put away for five years? Let me ask you that. There was a point in time, like there was a good, where I didn't touch it. Um, but I, I, you know, when I, I, when all that happened, um, that was actually like, it was, I'm very thankful that that happened looking back because when I was like dating him or we were engaged or whatever, I didn't play all that often because I didn't have time. I mean, I just was so focused on other things and, um, when that happened, it really, like, I really had to take a step back and, you know, obviously I had to restructure my priorities and, um, 
I got back to playing and I kind of remembered why I played in the first place. And it was for me, I mean, it was process. I mean, that was how I processed things. And so for me, like writing that song was very therapeutic and it, I didn't, I sat down and I didn't even like that song for me, wasn't one that I sat and was like, Oh, I'm going to write a song and it's going to be great. At that point I was just like, I just need to write down what I'm feeling. Cause this isn't like, I can't, I can't handle it. Like I just can't handle it. So, um, so yeah, that was kind of how it came about. I just was, completely heartbroken on my floor in my kitchen and um <laughs> how it happened i guess so okay this, I don't explain it like this might sound weird then this is gonna be a question that i don't know if i've ever asked anyone but like i've attempted to write songs it's not easy let me just say that like writing a good song is not easy you can write a crappy song i can write a crappy song you know anybody can write a crappy <laughs> song but like when i'm especially lyrically i have a difficult time especially when I'm using a lot of emotions. Let me just say that. Like if I ever am sad or heartbroken or something like that, and I try to write a song, how do you keep, and this goes for a lot of people, write in if you're listening, how do you guys keep your songs from being bitter? Let me ask you that. Is like, I get it, but like maybe, maybe that's just me like speaking about like how my emotions come out when, when I'm sad and heartbroken or whatever. But like, how do you keep your song? Cause your songs aren't just like, this guy sucks. He's a piece of crap. What a toolbox, you know, get him out of my life. Like your songs aren't like that. And that's what I figured. Like if I was a heartbroken woman, I'd just be like, what a piece of crap. Like, well, see, and I think that's where like, um, you know, and if that's how you feel though, I mean, like there's nothing wrong with writing that way. Um, I just like, cause I think, where a lot of people, a lot of people who like try to songwrite get stuck. And that's where I found myself getting stuck. I think that's where writer's block is very prevalent is when you get so stuck in like, I want to write this way, this way, this way. I don't want to write better. I don't want to write like that because not people won't like that. And I don't want to come off looking like that. Well, and maybe some people can write. I don't know. I just, the way that I write is like, I write what I feel. And if that's how I feel, I'm going to write about it. And if it's not good enough to like, you know, put out there. It's not good enough for me to put out there. If it's too bitter for me to put out there, it's too bitter for me to put out there. But at least then I wrote it for me and that's how I process things. Um, with foolproof, I mean, it was just one of those things where like, I just, I guess I have a hard time being bitter about stuff like that. So, I mean, I've never really struggled with that. Um, I'm going to have, but, um, I just think, I think a lot of people get stuck in why, like why they songwrite. Like, like, are you songwriting to write good songs and to like, you know, or are you songwriting to like heal yourself or to like, you know, to just write for you? Um, cause I oftentimes get stuck in trying to write for other people or trying to write the best thing I can. But sometimes I find the best things that I do write or when I write for myself, if that makes sense. I know I kind of rambled. No, I gotta be, I gotta be honest. That made a lot of sense. Like, <laughs> like, uh, even if I'd never, ever release a song, it makes me feel like I need to start writing songs. That sounds like therapy and I could probably use that. <laughs> And I, but the weird thing is, is for me, like, I don't, I have a really hard time just sitting down writing poems or writing like journaling. I had a really hard time with that. Um, so, I mean, I think just writing in general is therapeutic. I think just sometimes maybe the style is just different for everybody. I don't know. I mean, who's, oh God, that, that just opens a whole nother can of worms. Like you don't like journaling. Uh, you know, you probably won't have a blog. You're probably not one of those type of people, but your journal and your blog is the music that you're making and putting out into the world. Like that is... It's like you're the open spot in your journal that you're letting everybody see. Like that. Makes Absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's definitely. Wild. That's wild. I don't know. This is just like, uh, this is getting almost meta to, like at this point. This is, it's just crazy to think about that. Cause I guess 
you even brought up a good point. Why are you writing music? Are you writing songs to try to write good songs? Are you just trying to write hooks that people are going to get like sucked into? Are you trying to, you know, you just like buy drum samples and then, you know, throw instruments on top of it and call it good. Like there's a million ways you can do it and things you can try, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it. It was like, I have friends who can sit down and if you tell them like, Hey, write a song about the Fox that I just saw outside, you know, like, I mean, they can sit down and write about it. I can't do that. I don't have the ability to do that. And I think, yeah, I think everybody's just different. And it's, it's kind of a beautiful thing. Like, you know, it just, it's, I don't know, to me, it's fascinating that there are so many different avenues that you can go down and, um, so many different ways that you can do it. And I think everybody, like when people talk about having like a niche, like that's kind of what they mean, I think. So that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's crazy because I never really thought too much about that too. Because there's different styles of writing songs and different ways you can do it. And some people, like you said, have a niche in one area or another. Um, you know, it's it's almost like watching the the guys that do like hip hop music. And like, if I wanted to make a drum beat on my computer, I could do it. It would take me a while. But those dudes are just like ba doop boop boop, drag a couple things, and wham, they've got this like elaborate drum beat. And you're like, holy crap, how do you do that? And they're like, I've done it before. Like, it just comes down to like whether or not you've done it before. And then it. I guess, like, have you ever tried to step outside of your comfort zone to create something that's not necessarily what you would normally create? Like, uh, no, no, go ahead. Sorry. I was, was going to say, like, just an example would be like, you play, I see you play acoustic a lot. Have you ever, like, been like, I'm going to write a song on the electric and see what happens? Or, like, well, I don't own one of those. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, kind of, I mean, stylistically, like, yeah, kind of. So there was a song that came out, um, so Zach Bryan came out with that American Heartbreak album like last, I think, July or something, right? May, July. And um, there was a song on there, and it was called 68 Fastback. And I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. It's one of my all-time favorite songs, like, lyrically, like, absolute beautiful piece. You know, most songs are structured verse, chorus, verse, chorus, you know, bridge, chorus, outro, or whatever it might be, you know. Um, this song was not structured like that. It was structured more in, like, segments and um, very more, like, didn't even make sense sorry <laughs> like poetically um and I was just absolutely inspired by it um I didn't even realize that I subconsciously like I guess subconsciously was inspired by it so I sat down one day I had a guy who ghosted me and um <laughs> so I sat down and I just was like I just wrote how I felt and next thing I know I wrote this song that was structured like very similar to that and you know like I said I'm used to writing country music so country music is very structured and very it also kind of sounds not the same but it's got the same structure, right? So yeah. this was very different for me. Um, that was my song called Easy to Leave, and I think it's going to be the next single. I'm super excited about it. More pop sounding, but it definitely, it's like, it's written more like a poem. Um, so, I mean, as far as, like, lyrically and stylistically, I definitely kind of went outside of my norm for that one. And I had a hard time with that one because I had a lot of people tell me that they didn't like it, and I had a lot of people tell me that... Um, just very discouraged about it that like it wasn't it wasn't country radio and that it wasn't good enough to be on the radio and it wasn't good enough to be released as a single and how it wasn't didn't sound like something that I would write and um I really struggled with that um you know just kind of feeling really discouraged by everybody so I don't know yeah I, I it's such a tough thing like even when people sometimes when people even when they're trying to be positively critical about something you know like help you out it's still just kind of like Man, that didn't that didn't do me any favors when you said that, you know, like. Well, and especially, I'm so sorry. Go ahead. No, keep yo. Go ahead. I, uh, you know, like especially when like when it's something so personal as like writing a song, like 
because they didn't see me crying on my kitchen floor to write that, you know what I mean? But I was there. Like I was there when it happened. I was there when I was crying about it on my floor, writing it. Like they didn't see all that. And so for me, like having somebody sit there and tell me that it's not good enough, I take that really personal and I shouldn't. And I, I, I work, I, I struggle with that. Um, but it's really hard to not like to not take that personal. Cause you're like, it is, it is personal. It's a personal song. And to have you not like it or have you tell me that it's not good enough or it's not something that you would expect from me or that you think that I could do better. That really hurts. You know? Yeah. I mean, I totally get it. I totally get it. Like you, you brought into, you know, it's, it's a very personal thing. Songwriting is, I mean, it can be, it doesn't always have to be. I'm sure some songs have nothing to do with being personal, but still like, it's, it's like you said, the inspiration for that song could be from somewhere that's so deep within your heart that when somebody criticizes the song, it feels like they're criticizing you personally when it comes down to it. And it, it does take a lot. Like it took me, it took me to the point of like, instead of like, I used to get so like sad and depressed when people kind of criticized either like my guitar playing or like heckled or things like that, that uh, eventually I got to the point where it just became frustration. And I asked somebody like when they heckled me, I was like, well, you get up here and play guitar. And they're like, well, I don't know how. And I, I lost it. And I was like, oh, this, you're like, why would you say anything? And I was like, wait a second. That's probably a lot of the people that are criticizing things do it because they can't do that thing in the first place, you know? Yeah. So uh, that's, that's where I try to like never criticize people's like songwriting and things like that. Cause I can't write a song, you know, I can't write a good song. I just can't do it guys. But like, maybe, maybe I'll release one 40 years from now, but still like, it's one of those things. I just, uh, it's tough. And when I hear you guys writing songs, it's just like, God dang, this is a good song. And I'm, and I'll, I mean, people know I'm not a, not a country fan, but there's a lot of your guys' songs that I really enjoy. And it's like, why? I don't know. I don't know. It's just. <laughs> I don't know. You guys are going to suck me into country. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go easily. I'll tell you that much. But, uh, I do like a lot of people do know, I do play with Jesse and that was actually, I think the first time I, I had met you was, was playing a show with Jesse. So, yeah. oh man, that that's crazy. So, uh, I do have like a, a little like mini timeline here. I do know that, uh, you did a song with Adam Whitehead. You, uh, did a collab with him. The song was sober up for you. And that came out, this last uh, summer, it was uh, June of 2022, and yep. uh, I know that Foolproof was officially released uh, just like a couple months ago. Uh, it was like October of this year. So, yep. um, I I'm assuming, like, based on how the timeline works, you wrote Foolproof, and it just took a while to like finally record it and get it out there. But like, was Adam Whitehead was your like doing a collaboration with him was your first exposure to getting recorded and going out? Yeah, that was my first exposure to getting like recorded. And then after that, that kind of, I did that and then I was hooked. I was obsessed and I was like, I can't wait to do this again. So I did it again and then I released it as soon as I could. So I think I had it recorded and done in August and I didn't end up releasing it until October. But I had written Foolproof um, and I think it probably, it probably would have been, I mean, it probably would have been October of like 2019. So back when I was like, in college yeah <laughs> so how many songs do you have that like if if somebody just came up to you with like a blank check and was just like yeah like just go into the studio tomorrow and record a bunch of songs like how many would you say like that you play out live are you just like do you have like five six seven in the back pocket that you're just like yeah i'm just gonna start trickling out singles here out, out you know the next year or so or i probably do. oh no you cut out that's a, that's a, okay you're back in that was crazy like i asked you a question your answer was completely muted <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's all um, good. Probably six or seven. Nice. Um, that are super, that are solid, that are finished. Um, I have dozens and dozens of like, 
half-finished songs that I would love to finish, but yeah, I don't know, probably six or seven. That's crazy. How do you how do you know when you're writing a song if it's like this is near completion or this is just an idea or like I've got the shell of it here, I just need something else? How do you know when a song is done? Let me ask you that. You don't. <laughs> you know, for me, I'm kind of a I'm kind of a, like a perfectionist too. So for me, like I'll beat myself up about it until I just like I just can't anymore. <laughs> um, like. I like foolproof. I think that's why it took me so long too. Cause I just kept thinking like it needs, it needs a bridge. Like I just remember keep saying that, like it needs a bridge. It needs something else. And then everything that I would write, everything that I would fix about it, I just didn't like, and it just didn't fit. And then I'm finally like, well, maybe, maybe it's not meant to have a bridge. Maybe it's not meant to sound like that. And so I just kind of, I don't know how to explain it. Um, like, I don't know. I think it's a feeling. I think you just feel it and you just know, and you just like creatively, like you just know when you can't, you, you can't go any further with it. If that makes sense. I don't know. I mean, it's the same. Okay. So I'm just, I'm just, this is, these are the things I'm bad at. I can't paint or draw either. And that's another thing. Like if I ever like did anything that was even remotely close to good, it's like, how do I know when this is finished? And then eventually I just overdo it and it's crap. You know, yep. you just yes. start, you start painting until everything's just starts turning brown, you know? And that's, that's what I feel like I would end up doing if I was just like had unlimited time in a studio to tinker with a song. I'd just be like, well, let's add 40 layers. And it's like, well, let's delete 20 of them. And then you just, start, before you know it, the song's not even the same. And, and that's the benefit of digital though. You can, you can always go back. But I, I really struggle with that. Like there was just one, the, actually the easy to leave one. That was so personal. I don't know why that, I'm, that one was more personal to me than foolproof, but it just was. It was like more poetic. It was more lyrically. But recording that one, I had a really hard time. I think my producer, Craig, was <laughs> probably fed up with me, and I don't blame him. I would have been, I would have been too. Um, but, like, I'm very hands-on when it comes to stuff like that, and so I, I have, I'm very opinionated with, like, what I like and what I don't like. And um, But I think that was one for me that, like, I really struggle with being like, okay, Liv, like, enough's enough. Like, just, it's gonna, I mean, it is what it is. Like, we like it. You just stop fixing it. Like, it's not going to get any better than what it is now. Is that sense um yeah i i I struggle with that i struggle with that i gosh and i mean i get it like it's i feel like it's no different than like kind of like baking like baking is one of those things where it's just like you just you mix this stuff it's like don't over mix though you'll wreck it and it's like what like you can over mix things like yeah you'll wreck it and it's like oh okay so I suck at baking though. Maybe that's why. Maybe I'm over mixing shit. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I found out the hard way. It's like, why does everybody's stuff rise and there's like all airy and nice? It's like, cause you're beating all of the air out of everything. Like there's no air in anything. Like, oh, biscuits. That was how I learned cooking biscuits. Cause it's cheap and easy. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to learn how to cook with biscuits. It's, you know, it costs like a cent to make a biscuit. So I, that's now we're getting a weird talk, but <laughs> <clears throat> excuse me. Oh my gosh. So you've collaborated with Adam Whitehead. Do you see yourself collaborating with anyone else in the future? I know, I know maybe not necessarily like in the studio, but you had talked about like uh, playing shows with other people and things like that. Uh, uh, the CMO, was that like an inspiration to do something? Because I know I've seen a few people uh, do like a double booking where they'll both book a show together and they're both singer songwriters and they'll do like, you do a half an hour and then we'll do some songs together and then I'll do a half an hour and then we'll do some songs together and then you'll do a half an hour. So there's never dead air time, but everyone gets little breaks, you know, anything like that. You know, is there anything that you have, you know, working is, are there some people that you're like, I'm working on this song with these people. It's going to be awesome. Is there anything you have in the future like that? I mean, 
As of right now, not really. Um, I would love to do a show like that, though. I think that'd be super fun. Um, I've never done, like, a co-show like that. Like I said, I've always just, like, opened or played for somebody's breaks or something, like what I did for you and Jesse. But I would love I would love to do, like, a show with somebody. I think that'd be super fun. Um, I just, not to get, like, off on a tangent, but I have a really hard time playing consistently. Like, I've never really played with a band or anything. Like, I've always just played with, like, with me. And so I have a really hard time, like, being consistent enough to play with other people, if that makes sense. I, yeah. I mean, so your style for people that don't know, I, I like to say it's, uh, it's almost like croonery. It's like, uh, it's, uh, meandering. It's, it's, uh, it's free flowing. So yeah. I, I enjoy that because it's almost like, here come the words and it's like, Oh no, there they come. You know, and it's like, or the, it's, it's, uh, enjoyably surprising to listen to that kind of music because I feel like music is so regimented that, that when you run into people that do that, it's like almost like really folksy kind of playing, uh, a la Bob Dylan kind of stuff. You know, like Bob Dylan, it's like if you put a metronome to Bob Dylan, it's just not really going to work out too well all the time. And that's what I view like uh, there's a handful of people that have been on the podcast actually that have that writing style. And I, I kind of view it like crooners. You know, you almost those guys that used to just have tuxes and they'd be smoking cigarettes and drinking martinis singing next to a piano like – you know, the, the words are coming out like fast and slow at times and things like that. And the tempo is consistent, but the the music kind of ebbs and flows in and out through it. And that's that's what I say. I just yeah, I guess I and I've you know, people criticize me a lot on that. And I and like I said, that is something that I've been working on being more consistent. Um, but that is that is a struggle for me as a musician. Like I, but I, like I said, I'm, I'm used to playing live all the time. So you don't have to really worry about playing with a metronome or playing with other people or being consistent. Like it's really just you and you, you know? So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. So, yeah. I mean, I do know that's a thing that a lot of people will judge themselves or others harshly on because everyone's like, well, music has to have a tempo and this, that, and the other. But I feel like it's the things that when you get outside of that, that makes a difference. Um, it, I feel like it, it almost bleeds into your writing style just a little bit. Cause I remember when I had first heard uh, foolproof and I turned it on, I was like, Oh, this song is the structure is not as just like, here's three chords. There's three chords. Here's three chords. There's three. It wasn't very just like cut and blocky. Like most songs, like that's how I write songs. It's just like, here's a block of stuff. Here's a block of stuff. Here's a block. And yours felt like it flowed into one another so much better than what I would normally write. And I feel like your playing style might lend itself to your writing style a little bit or vice versa, maybe. I suppose. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that is I'll send Craig like a, like, like tape, you know, of me like playing and like the chords that I use and stuff. And it's not, you yes, know, structure it and everything for me. He has to help me. I like, like, I can't No time signature. What the hell is that? Like, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but I do struggle with that. No, I, I mean, I, I get it. Like this is, it's definitely a thing that like if, uh, you know, singing and playing, I also feel like doesn't lend itself when you're figuring out like the best ways to go about it. Like, uh, it's, it's so hard to describe. So like the guitar plays pretty much relatively squarely to the drums, but like the singing, if you've ever like tried to like note out the singing or like on a piano or like figure out the notes on a guitar, it's like, Oh, these words aren't on the beat with stuff very much. Like, you know, there's a lot of open spaces and then a whole bunch all at once, you know, and open spaces. And so that's where I feel like, uh, 
the crooner style uh, is enjoyable for that because you can actually like expand on all the, the the ebbs and flows of the vocals and then transform the music around it. I I don't know. I enjoy that. I think it's just because it's not common and there's people that can pull it off very very well and it's almost like a form of jazz like at you know at times it's what we were trying to compliment you like your music is kind of like this other music and you're like i hate that no okay, never mind well. no it's <laughs> a compliment because i don't listen to it so i'm like okay well you know i know i'm not subconsciously taking inspiration from it so i think it's kind of cool that you know i mean you've able, you've made that connection i still think it's a compliment i have appreciation for all types of music <laughs> i don't like um i just yeah it's not my first choice <laughs> uh totally get it i totally get it um Okay, so now I'm going to have to ask you something kind of blindly because I, I didn't write it down in my notes when you said it out loud. Uh, your first shows were up in the Clear Lake area, you said, and uh, there was a band that you had opened up for and kind of played their breaks. What was that band again? The Craft Brothers. Do it, did I see you had either had a show recently or have a show coming up with them? I've got one, yeah. It might be recently. I guess I haven't seen it on Facebook or anything yet, but um, I have one on New Year's Eve with them. Awesome. I was, I was actually like, I was getting down through my notes and i'm like these shows i th i feel like there was one that she was gonna be playing with them but i, I just had to ask because i i don't know i uh that you do have a show coming up on the 16th though this is going to come out uh on thursday so if you're listening to this the day it comes out you have a show on friday the 16th correct yes at matt's place in garner awesome that's uh a lot, that's still up in that clear lake ish kind of area up there it's actually three blocks from my house <laughs> so i I live in Garner. Um, yeah, it's about like 15 minutes west of Clear Lake. Nice. That's not so bad. That's not so bad. I, no. uh, I used to go up to Clear Lake a lot to go to the ballroom, obviously. You know, um, I'm not a lake person. I burn easy. Um, I don't belong on boats. But Me too. Amen. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It all looks like it's really fun, but uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you don't lie. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm drunk. On like the beach, just like you know, on like on solid ground, I can still have fun. You know? yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. But oh gosh, and I, I, it's such. I don't know. I think it's just going to the shows up in Clear Lake and things like that, and uh, you know, venturing to, to Des Moines and back to do shows and things like that. But that like hour, hour and twenty minute jaunt that it takes for me to get to Clear Lake really doesn't seem like it's that long, you know. And it's it's kind of the same deal for you if you wanted to play a show in Fort Dodge. It's probably like about you know a little over an hour, maybe an hour and a half tops to get to Fort Dodge or whatever. So, I mean, uh, are you used to putting the miles on the road? Is that something that's like bothers you or doesn't bother you or have you played enough shows far enough away that you're just like man it's whatever so i i yeah i don't have any driving i drive all the time i drive all the time so uh, my hometown is actually two and a half hours south of me it's in Winston, iowa i don't know if you're familiar where'd you say uh, what'd you say no what did you say oh i said my hometown's in Winterset, iowa oh yeah like, yeah so and i i uh I go back there probably every other weekend. And so, like I said, that's two and a half hours there and then two and a half hours back. So I really, I don't know. I'm not allergic to driving by any means. I love it. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I def I've spent some time in Winterset. Yeah. Uh, it's a nice place, though. That's a nice town. It is a nice town. I like it. Uh, the, the little square in the city center is fun. It's like, you know, built up, looks nice, whatever. I don't know. Well, it did. Now it, it's uh, there's a bunch of construction on, like, the courthouse, so it's... It's not very pretty right now, but 
That's fun. I, I I feel like that's something that might deter some people when it comes, you know, time to play shows and things like that is the fact that uh, people might not understand. It's like, man, like, you're really good. Where are you from? It's like, you're from here. It's like, holy cow, you drove like, you're going to be driving like three hours today round trip and then also playing, you know, a f- three or four hour show, you know, plus load in and load out and tear down and maybe you had have a job and you worked that day as well. Like that's one of those things I don't think a lot of people necessarily think too much about is, you know, how much of that actually goes on. Well, and especially when you're booking it though too, I sometimes, I, you know, venue owners kind of that too, but like, you know, I mean, I, I'm pretty generous with, like, with, you know, how I charge and things, but if I'm driving like more, you know, it's like, okay, like, you know, like I'm not just, this isn't just down the street for me. This is three hours for me, you know? So I don't know. I'm, yeah, I mean, you're justified in that. I mean, there's definitely something in that. When I first started playing shows, I kind of just sat back and watched how people booked their shows because I'm, I, I don't have too much experience booking shows. So I, I would watch people, and it's like they give you know the places where that's like their hometown place. If it's easy to play there, if you want to go down there and play once a month, it's like I probably shouldn't charge you know, you know, out the out the wazoo and just be like, hey, you know, this is the same as if I had to drive four hours away to a show. Like you know, so you got to kind of like take care of your buddies or take care of the hometown venue. But like like you said, I mean, you're justified in charging you know more, especially if you're going to drive, and that's something that. Uh, I, th- I think maybe even some people booking shows might actually forget, you know, by the end of the night, they like get the gas back in their car, you know, when they get home and they're like, wait, I might should, I should, I probably should charge a couple bucks more or something, you know, like there's, there's probably some of that that goes on where people have to learn the hard lesson. And I've done, I mean, I've definitely been there or I've been, I've been where like, you know, um, I've booked a show and then I kind of, like you said, like, yeah, I just don't think about it. And then I'm like, well, shoot, like I should have definitely charged more because now I'm out more money than what I made because, you know, um, yeah. But I think, you know, I don't know. I think that just goes with learning, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a weird thing, though, too, because you're selling, like, uh, you know you're selling art you're selling live art to people and it's it's such a weird thing like how much do you charge for this like this much you know like everyone's got to like especially everyone's got a friend that makes art you know i've got friends that make paintings that they've sold for 20 bucks i've got friends that make paintings that are like all of them are like 100 plus and i've i've know people that have paintings that sell for thousands and it's just like it's all it's all art it's all paintings but it's just like man you know it's it just depends on who's doing what and who says they can charge how much and who's going to pay what for who and etc it's, it's such a weird concept you know to like uh to pay for art and how it's you know i think we talked about this in a past podcast you know you go into those like art studios and those galleries it's like somebody duct tape a banana to a wall and they're like that's art and you're like eh, i don't know about that you know but hey i guess someone's going to give you millions for it rock and roll you know so I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. I went off on a tangent there, but, um, no, I, I, agree with you. <laughs> I did. Uh, I do want to say though, I found your, uh, shows on your Facebook page. I do know you have a Facebook page. Uh, so if anybody is looking for information from Liz, there's def <laughs> live, there's definitely a Facebook page available. Uh, if you want to go that route, otherwise I think you have an Instagram and maybe a YouTube. Does that sound correct? I, yep. And then like, I'm on like, Oh no, that all cut out. No, really? I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, I have a YouTube, um, TikTok as well. Um, wherever you can, you know, essentially listen to music. Live McNair Music is my handle for everything, all my social media. So. Nice. I will, uh, I'll make sure to put links down below. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I got to go click the follow button real quick, wham, just scroll down, click it right now. Uh, you can still listen to the podcast while you're clicking follow and like on everything. So, um, 
you'll have to send me I, th- I don't have tiktok so you'll have to send me the tiktok link but otherwise i will just slam them all right in there down below uh i do want to say like if you guys are looking for other shows she has coming up the social media is the place to go so make sure you go check it out like i said i found those events on the facebook uh you do have uh posts semi-regularly on your facebook so it's it's nice it's nice to know you're out there and you're accessible and you're keeping people up to date with what's going on so that's definitely also a cool thing um is there anything that we haven't covered in this episode i feel like let's see here one two three four i think i think i got most of most of the goodies on here if i wasn't playing on new year's eve i'd probably come check you out with the craft brothers because it's not the first time i've heard the name either uh from you or seeing him on your page you know it's like you're gonna play a show with them so uh i'm intrigued i definitely gotta gotta go check them out yeah you should they don't play they don't play much in the winter they're typically more summer up in Clear Lake, but you know Clear Lake's a very seasonal town. So, um, you know, there's it, it's hard it's hard to find gigs and shows and stuff up here in the in the winter. Um, but in the summer, they're very very yeah they're very nice. Any where are you for New Year's Eve? Uh, we are playing at Boom Koozies. I'm wearing the hat right now. That's straight up promotion. See the hat coming came in handy already. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's fun. I don't know. I, uh, yeah, koozies. It's going to be koozies New Year's Eve. It's going to be awesome. That's uh, in Fort Dodge, for those of you that don't know. It is the old, uh, I don't know, it's had a few different names. It's been sold and resold. I forget. It's the old King's Lounge. Uh, it was something else, too. But, yeah, koozies. Great place. We played there uh, a couple, maybe about a week ago, and it was uh, awesome. It was an awesome time. So, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I feel like that's the best and worst part probably about playing music is like that that cmo writers round just seeing you guys all sit there on stage together i was like man they all look like they're having so much fun because they never get to go see each other play you know and you're on stage sharing the stage and watching each other and listening to each other play and that's something that's i feel like is that weird double-edged sword with being a musician is you don't always get to go watch your friends play no that does suck that is one like part about doing it hmm yeah well i guess you got to take the good with the bad take them both and there you have the facts of life there it is (laughs) anything else you want to add to this before we uh shut down the recording i don't think so you don't think so so much absolutely it was a pleasure to watch you uh actually like i said complete happenstance i didn't know you were going to be at that tap show that jesse and i were playing and it's like well heck yeah bring her up here on the intermission please you know and it was cool to meet you then and it was also cool to be able to have some free time to go see at that cmo writers round because i think that was on a sunday wasn't that yeah nice perfect (laughs) 29th of January. The 9th of January is the next one? 29th. 29th. All right. All right. I'll have to make sure I bookmark that one too. So uh, don't go away. I do want to say thanks again for joining me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Ah, what a fun interview with a fun person. If you haven't seen Live Live, you're missing out. You got to go check it out. Uh, She plays a lot of shows uh, like we said up in that uh, Clear Lake kind of area. But she is venturing out and playing shows out and about. So definitely go to the Facebook, go to the uh, Instagram, check out the TikTok. I'm not on TikTok, but definitely go check out that TikTok as well. Uh, There's all sorts of social medias. I put uh, the links down below. She made a link tree and it's in there. It's in the link tree link down below. So just click that and it'll pop up all the links for all the social medias as well as places you can listen to her music, which is uh, very much encouraged. Uh, Check out Foolproof. That's out there. Check out Sober Up For You, a collaboration she did. Uh, being featured on an Adam Whitehead song. Definitely worth checking out. She's got more in the works 
We talked about that and kind of hinted at it a little bit in this episode. I don't know if she's told anyone else, but uh, she hinted at it here first, maybe. Uh, so, so check it out. Definitely follow her on the social media so you don't miss out on the upcoming songs. And check out some of the songs she has released. Go to some of the shows she's got. she got shows coming up uh, this weekend. She has a show in Garner at Matt's Place. Check that out. It's going to be great. Uh, let's see here. I'm trying to remember if I'm booked this weekend. I think I might be free. I don't know. We'll have to see what's going on. Maybe I'll swing up there. You never know. You never know what's going on. Uh, I'll tell you what. We talked about that in this. It's, it's fun, too, because when you're like, you have all this free time, it's kind of boring, you know, but it's nice to have free time. So you, we always try to stay busy. You know, we, you know, all of us always try to stay somewhat busy. And that's kind of what it is. When there's a night off and I'm not playing music, it's kind of like, man, what do I do with myself? And then I usually end up going and watching some music. Usually, not always, but you never know. Otherwise, New Year's Eve, if you're in the Clear Lake area and you don't have plans, guess what? You've just made them. She's going to be playing at Tapped in Clear Lake. That's New Year's Eve. Check that out as well. It's going to be awesome. So check out all our social medias. Make sure you give her a like, follow, subscribe, share. Uh, share this episode. That's like the easiest way to support the podcast. I know there's the shop, there's the Patreon, there's everything else. But if you made it this far into the episode, let, let them know. Hey, I listened to Liv McNair on this, this podcast. It was great. I think you might enjoy it too. Boom. There's a little share button wherever you're listening to this. Just click that. Share it with one of your buddies. Say, hey, Liv was on this podcast. You're going to like it. Check it out. Boom. There we go. Otherwise, if you guys are looking to uh, support the podcast monetarily, there is the Patreon. Patreon is where video versions of the podcast are housed. It costs $1 a month. That's only $12 a year for like 50 episodes. Uh, I mean, the episodes cost like a quarter. Uh, it's up to you. Uh, it's not, not mandatory. Otherwise, it's going to be free. Audio versions always uh, free. So check that out if you guys are looking to watch the video versions of this. Uh, I do post clips usually. Uh, but not always. So uh, there's there's usually clips, but like I said, not always. And uh, otherwise, if you guys want to support monetarily and Patreon's not your jam, uh, grab a t-shirt or a hoodie, some stickers, some good stuff like that. There's all sorts of stuff on the Audible Farm shop, shop.audiblefarm.com. Otherwise, audiblefarm.com has links to everything you need, Audible Farm, as well as a myriad of other things, places you can contact the podcast. Um, been having a lot of trouble getting guests on the podcast. Holiday seasons are always, always, always busy. And uh, I gotta say thanks to my recent guests that have uh, been able to schedule out some time with me. I've had a lot of a lot of cancellations and a lot of time, and uh, there's been a lot of illnesses going around, so it's been rough. But if you guys want to Skype me up, hit me up. Uh, it's probably the easiest way to do the podcast uh, during busy holiday seasons uh, when people are ill and things like that. It's just uh, you know bad weather. It's just the easiest way to get things done. So if you're looking to be on the podcast, hit me up. Go to audiblefarm.com. Scroll to the bottom. There's a contact thing there. Otherwise, send me a message on Facebook. Audible Farm on Facebook is probably the uh, one of the easiest ways to get a hold of me. Otherwise, uh, yeah, I did I did make a post on my personal page not too long ago and had a handful of people comment on it, but uh, only one person reached out. So if you guys uh, commented on that and you are interested, reach out, let me know, and I'll uh, see what we can do to get some scheduling done. I'm out. We'll check you guys next week. Peace. Peace.